0: Hello, everybody! I'm Holly Bratcher, and welcome back to the Crazy Lady Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Eileen Warrenos. She was one of the most famous female serial killers from the 1990s. So let's get right into the details of the case. So, from 1989 to 1990, all in a 12 month period, seven white men were murdered in Florida. She robbed all of her victims before shooting them to death and stealing their cars. She would trick them with her prostitution work to lure them in. Every man she killed was shot at least two times, usually in the torso area. She claims that each man raped her while she was doing her job, and she killed them out of self-defense. No, no, no. I don't know how I feel about this self-defense thing. I mean, I can understand if it was one-time self-defense, but seven men out of self-defense? Whoa, girl, you need a chill there. I'm not sure if I believe your story. Well, we don't know too much about Eileen, so let's get into some of her early childhood life. She was born in Rochester, Michigan on February 29, 1956. She had a deeply troubled childhood. Her parents separated before her birth, and her biological father spent time in mental hospitals for child molestation. When he went to prison for his crimes he hanged himself in his cell at the age of four she was sent to live with her grandparents with her brother keith and they legally adopted her brother and her her grandfather did not treat her right he would beat and sexually assault her he got her pregnant at the age of 14. she gave birth to her son but put him up for adoption once she reached her early teens she dropped out of high school and became a prostitute In her early 20s, she committed various crimes, including drunk driving, armed robbery, check forgery, and auto theft. Now, I personally do feel really bad for Eileen. She had a hard time growing up, and not a lot of good experiences came to her. I do not justify what she did, but this is a sad life. And I, it, it really hurts to know that these things happen to such a young girl. Now, a key player you guys haven't heard of yet is Eileen's girlfriend. Now, let's get right into this story. But before we get into that, a shout out to one of our sponsors, Bricktanica. Thank you. Now let's get right back into the podcast and talk about Eileen's girlfriend. So, in early 1986, she met a hotel maid, Tyra Moore, at a lesbian bar. They became a couple and moved in together, where Warner's would support her with her prostitute earnings. Ty didn't approve of her prostitute work. A quote from a quote from Moore is: "Once I found out she was prostituting, I tried everything I could have to stop." her doing that. For one, it's not safe, and then I did care about her, but she never gave it up. Together, they committed many assault crimes, including hitting a man in the head with a beer bottle. Tyra knew about at least one of the murders, the first one. Eileen confessed to her when she came home from driving his stolen Cadillac. A quote from Tyra is, we were sitting on the floor watching TV. She just came out and said, I have something to tell you, and I asked her what, and she said she had shot and killed a man that day. Whoa. Now, I don't know how I feel about this Tyra girl. It does not seem like she was a good person. She was like the same as Eileen, always into trouble. So, I don't think they were a good match, honestly. (laughs) So, after Eileen came home and told her about this murder that she committed, her suspicion grew over time because she would bring stolen items home. But she refused to listen to when Eileen tried to tell her where she got them. Fearing that she might be forced to call the police if she heard the truth. Well, girl, I would want to get rid of my psychopath girlfriend. If my girlfriend was killing people, uh, I'd be done with her. But I mean, okay, you do you. So they fell into a lifestyle of pawning the stolen belongings of the murdered men, but she didn't know that they were the items of the murdered men, for cash and driving their cars. It was through these practices that the two were eventually caught. Oh gosh. So let's move right on into who were the victims of Eileen Wernos. But before we get right into that, a shout out to our sponsor from MurderMurderMurder.com for the bio of Eileen Wernos. Thank you! Now, into the victims of Eileen Wuornos. So all of her victims were male, and all of them were pretty old or middle-aged. Alright, so the first victim was Richard Mallory, and he actually was a convicted rapist. Oh my god, maybe this is where she got the idea of self-defense. He was 51 years old, and he was found on December 13th, 1989. The second victim was David Spears. He was 47 years old, and he was found on June 1st, 1990. The third victim was car- Charles Karskadot. He was 40 years old, and he was found on June 6, 1990. The fourth victim was Peter Seams. He was 65 years old. His body was never found, though. Only his car was found. Hmm, interesting. The fifth victim was Troy Burris. He was 50 years old. He was reported missing on July 31st, 1990, and he was found on August 4th, 1990 in the Ocala National Forest. The sixth victim was Charles Humphreys. He was 56 years old, and he was found on September 12th, 1990. And the last victim was Walter Antonio. He was 62 years old and found on November 9th, 1990. So to learn more about how Eileen killed her victims, let's talk about the first murder. How did it happen? Well, she met him and they both agreed into her prostitution act. They went into the woods on the side of the highway in his car and drank and talked until dawn. She then pulled out her handgun and shot him four times in the back. She then stole his money, so robbed him, and covered his body with a carpet sheet. And then she drove away in his car wow. She's a crazy lady. Oh my gosh. Moving on to the geography of the case. So she committed all the murders in Florida from 1989 to 1990. The bodies were found in Volusia County, Route 19, Pasco, Marion County, Swanee County, and Dixie County. All of these counties are in Florida. Mallory's car was found um, abandoned by a sheriff, and his body was found several miles away in a wooded area. Spears' body was found naked along Route 19. Cardascon was found wrapped in an electric blanket, badly decomposing. Steam's car was found in Orange County, but his body was never found. Burris's body was found in a wooded area in Marion County. Humphrey's body was found fully clothed in Suwannee County. Antonio's body was found almost fully naked near a remote logging road in Dixie County, and five days later, his car was found. <music> Moving on to the evidence of the case. So, since, as we already know, she was a criminal. So her fingerprints were already on police files. Wah, wah, wah. Um, some of the victims' items were found in pawn shops because, you know, as we know, she liked to rob people and sell their stuff for money. Um, the police retrieved fingerprints from the victims' cars, and of course, it matched Wernos's. Her palm print was found on the interior door of ha- um, the interior door handle of Seam's abandoned car. And she was seen by witnesses abandoning this car. Um, some witnesses saw her driving the victim's cars along the roads. And she used a .22 caliber, caliber gun, handgun to kill her victims. Now, 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 honestly, I feel like she was a dead giveaway already because her fingerprints were already on file. And as we know from from forensics, we know that this is individual evidence and it can lead directly to an individual person. So it was pretty easy to find her once they had those fingerprints and palm prints. Before we get into the outcome of this case, a special shout-out to our sponsor, SerialKillerShop.com, for um, t- Tyra Moore Facts. Thank you! <music> now, right into the outcome of the case. So, on January 9th, 1991, Warnos was arrested on a warrant at the last resort, which was a bar. She was found guilty of six counts of first-degree murder. Now remember that they could not count her for the f- fourth murder of Peter because his body was never found. She pleaded guilty to all seven murders af- um, after her girlfriend convic- convinced her to on January 16, 1991. She was sentenced to death for the six murders by lethal injection. She was executed on October 9th, 2002 in Florida State Prison. So, on her execution day, she declined her last meal, which could have been anything under $20, and she opted for a cup of coffee instead. Girl, I don't know about you, but if I was on death row... I would be choosing some luxurious meal for my last meal. I mean, I could get anything I wanted. I don't know. I I wouldn't just go for a cup of coffee. Now, something interesting about Eileen Wernos is she was crazy. I mean, we all know this, but her last words, her last words were, Yes, I would like to say I'm sailing with the rock, and I'll be back, like Independence Day, with Jesus, June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. I don't know about you, but those are the craziest last words I've ever heard in my life. What is she even talking about? Oh my gosh. Uh, This lady was crazy. Uh, And honestly, she says she's going to be back. Girl, I'm running away from you if you're coming back. Oh no. And now, a shout-out to one of our sponsors, CapitalPunishmentandContext.org. Thank you! Moving right on to the criminal profile of Eileen Warnos. So, her race was white. Her sex, she was a female. Her physical characteristics, she had blonde hair, blue eyes. She was 5'4 and 137 pounds. And her values and beliefs, she was a born-again Christian. So now that we know the criminal profile of Eileen, let's look at the criteria of a typical serial killer. So the typical traits of a serial killer are a single white male, intelligent, unstable family history, abandoned by fathers and raised by mothers, alcoholic abuse history, bedwetting as a child, sadistic activities as in killing small animals, and employment difficulties. Now let's look at Eileen Wuornos. Does she fit into these categories? She actually does. She fits into most of these. Why did she fit in? Well, she has a very unstable family history, as we've heard. She never met her father. Her father was jailed and died in jail, and she was raised by her grandparents, and her grandfather uh, raped her. She was abandoned by her father, technically. She did have an alcohol issue and drug abuse issue, and most of her family were alcoholics. She had employment issues, this is why she went into prostitution. She had a lot of abuse as a child, again from her grandfather who raped her and got her pregnant, but why doesn't she fit in? Well, first thing, she's a female. She's not very intelligent because she did not finish her education, she dropped out, and she did not have any sadistic hobbies as a young child. Now let's move on to the psychological testing. So did she have psychological testing? Yes, she did. She went on July 1992. So during her trial, the state of Florida sent in the psychologist, Dr. Bernard. He testified that she suffered from borderline personality disorder as well as antisocial personality disorder. He agreed with the other experts that Warrenus experienced impaired capacity and mental disturbance at the time of the crime, but it was not substantial and the disturbance was not extreme. He also agreed that there was evidence of non-statutory mitigating evidence such as Warrenus' mental problems, alcoholism, disturbance, and genetic or environmental deficiencies. And now a final shout out to our sponsor, tonsoffacts.com. Thank you for the facts that you provided for this podcast. <laughs> the crime assessment. What was her modus operandi? Her modus operandi was a repeated pattern of killing male victims during prostitution acts and leaving their bodies in the car, forest, or side of road. And she always used a .22 caliber gun. And did she have a signature? She did not have a signature. Now, let's get into my personal opinions on this case. So, I believe she may have committed these murders out of past abuses. With She also probably can- on the road being a prostitute and all this anger spilled out onto the killings a possible trigger for the start of the killings could be during her job with again her first killing richard mallory since he was a rapist he could have tried to rape her actually and she actually killed him out of self-defense then she may have realized the strength she had and continued her spree and went along with that as and said it was all in self-defense Now, some facts about Eileen. Her mom was only 15 years old when she gave birth to Eileen, and her father was a couple years older. She never met her father. She actually did have a marriage with a 69-year-old man by the name of Louis Fell. They married in 1976, so before the murders. Shortly after, though, he filed a restraining order against her when she attacked him with his cane, and then they divorced. Wernus' body was cremated, and her ashes were spread beneath a tree in her native hometown in an interview she said i'm not a man hater i am so used to be treated like dirt that i guess it's become a way of life i'm a decent person another quote she said was i had to kill them she told police in a four-hour videotaped confession to police that she that was made to public it's like i'm thinking you bastards you were gonna hurt me it was self-defense it was like hey man i gotta shoot you because i think you're gonna kill me yeah lady uh i don't think so (laughs) since we are talking about a female se- serial killer, I gathered two interesting facts. Uh, Statistics only 16% of serial killers in the USA are females. And in female homicides, the primary weapon is guns, 39% of the time. And Eileen, of course, did use a .22 caliber to kill her victims. So there are some fun facts for you. <laughs> Well, guys, that's it for today on the Crazy Lady Podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, I'm your host, Holly Bratcher, and I'll see you on the next episode.